Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. It truly is a movement that has just continued to build since it was a, a dream of a logo in the spring of 2008. And I thought, wow. Is that the perfect introduction to this idea? But we twisted arms right and left. We were dialing for writers to the last hour. Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteering. I'm your host and Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an amazing community, and it's through research that we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. The Pelotonia community is an unrivaled, deeply passionate, and unstoppable movement. One of the ways we foster our connections and friendships is through the powerful stories we all share. You've likely heard just some of them here on this podcast, but what about the story of how Pelotonia began? In this episode, you'll hear from the visionary founders whose inspirational ideas and tireless work created something nobody could have ever dreamed about. We'll also hear from a well-known special guest at the end of this episode, someone who played a very important role in our early days. So let's get to know who you'll be hearing from, and then we'll dive into those moments when Pelotonia was just an idea. This episode is titled, Our Unstoppable Start. Hi, I'm Danny Rosenthal. I have had the privilege of being the chair of Pelotonia uh, since the beginning in March of 2008. I uh, work as my day job as the chief financial officer and director at Root Insurance, headquartered in Columbus. I'm Cindy Hilsheimer. I'm a James Foundation board member and I've been on the Pelotonia board since 2008. My day job is running an executive search firm in Columbus, Ohio. I'm Mike Calagiri. I am currently the president of the City of Hope National Medical Center in Los Angeles, California. And I pride myself on being a co-founder of Pelotonia with Cindy and Danny. I'm Doug Ullman, president and CEO of Pelotonia. So, Mike, let's let's start with you back at the beginning. Uh, you know, Pelotonia really uh, was born uh, as a solution to a problem you were seeing sort of in the, the cancer research field. And can you describe what you observed over a period of several years and, and how the idea of Pelotonia came to be? Really, things started around the time um, I was asked to become the CEO of the James Cancer Hospital and Solof Research Institute. Um, it really became obvious that we just needed more money to do the kinds of great things that uh, I saw happening, but happening too slowly um, to recruit the superstars we needed to fuel their laboratories, um, whether they be, you know, as we say, in the lab or on the sidewalk. This cancer research occurs everywhere. And, um, you know, lo and behold, I got the opportunity to lead uh, the James, where up until then, a lot of the money is where it came from, from whatever we were able to margin in the hospital, we were able to pour into the cancer center, but it, it just wasn't enough. And my friend, Jerry Ritz, said to me, well, you know, there's a bike event in Boston. I mean, it wasn't there when you were there. If it was there, it was really small. It's kind of growing. And I thought, well, wow, bike event, that'd be, you know, Columbus, Ohio, it's great for biking. The weather's great. We don't have a bike event. We have this phenomenal uh, James Cancer Hospital, and, you know, the community has rallied around it. I called the head of the Dana-Farber and said, could I speak to the person and uh, they uh, who ran the bike event? It turned out it was a separate thing, separate from the Dana-Farber, but he 
Ed Ben said, sure, speak to him. And I uh, called the gentleman, Billy, and, um, uh, you know, we talked through it. And he said, I said, look, we've got this phenomenal board, uh, which Cindy was uh, a member of and about to lead um, for the James. And we have an amazing community that rallies around it. We have a huge, one of the country's largest, if not the largest universities here, phenomenal university president, Gordon Gee. Um, it's flat, largely. Um, weather's, you know, and he said, you know, um, I think you got it. I mean, I've talked to hundreds of people, he said, but I think you've got it. You've got everything you need. This and is Billy, he, Billy saying, I think Billy's you've got hard, what it yeah. takes to put this, yeah, this ride right on. Yeah. So you're the first one I've said like, yeah, you know, and I'd be glad to help you. Um, and um, he said, you know, but one thing I'll tell you, a big mistake I made. And he said, I would try your best to get the event paid for because then a hundred percent of whatever you raise from your riders and your other sponsors goes to cancer research. And so I kept the idea for a while saying, you know, the first person I tell this to, um, if they're like, well, that's a stupid idea. This is good. This is gone. Right. So I thought I have to think carefully about who I talk to about this. Um, and so I was on a walk with Cindy, as I recall, and Cindy may recall it differently. And she said, you know, now that you're going to be the CEO of the James, you got to think about how you're going to raise money. And I thought, wow, is that the perfect introduction to this idea? And I said, Cindy, I have this idea. And I explained to her what I just explained to you and all the positives without any, all the pros, without any cons. And I said, but the one thing that I've been told is that if we're going to do this, the best way to do this is to raise the money to put it on. And that could be like a couple million dollars, but that would be the catalyst for it to really, really go well. Well, that's why I always attribute this would never have happened without Cindy and of course, Danny, because Cindy quicker than a millisecond said, I think I know who'll pay for it. Just like that. I'm like, that moment I came to know the force of Cindy Hilsheimer. That's incredible. Cindy, how, uh, you know, how do you recall that walk, the fateful walk? Uh, where was the walk? Do you recall? I, that's my recollection, Cindy. What do you think? Was it a walk? <laughs> it was standing and it was at a holiday party in Bexley, Ohio. Okay. And um, we were in a dining room and, and you brought, brought this up. And um, after you challenged me. Absolutely. You said you've got to show up with new ideas about fundraising. You know, at the same time, I was doing work with Danny at NetJets, and um, NetJets was planning a giant expansion, and their leader, Richard Santoli, and Danny, this this will tell you a lot about them because they, they are who they are and remain um, some of the most humble, generous people. They were about to gain some funding, a lot of funding from um, our city for expansion, and they didn't want to keep the money. They wanted to pay for their expansion. They wanted to give the money back to the community, and they had mentioned this, and so I feel like my only role in this was a dot connector and um, a lunch buddy because I invited Danny to lunch at Lindy's restaurant in German Village, Ohio. And he came with his beautiful children and wife and Mike Caligiri had um, outfitted me with all the tools I needed, um, massive amounts of documents from uh, the PMC. And I put that on the table in front of Dan and Actually, um, I think I talked about two or three options whereby NetJets might reinvest in the community, but I was clearly um, championing one, and that is uh, the James. So, um, Danny, I think it's time for you to step in and share what you did with that information because it's fascinating how this evolution continued. It is. And uh, I think the only thing that has been misstated is you describing yourself as a dot connector or yeah. merely a dot connector. Um, I, I'm not sure what the, what the right analogy is, 
but it is uh, something at the top uh, at the, uh, this does not happen without Cindy Hilsheimer. And, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda talks about the room where it happens. There were two rooms where it happened. Uh, One was what Cindy's describing, but just to put a little more color around that brunch, my wife, Courtney Granville and I are new to Columbus. We get this invite from Cindy and Larry Hilsheimer, who we barely know, to go to Lindy's, a restaurant where we have never been. And Cindy insists that we bring our one-year-old, Isaac, to Lindy's. Now, this is January of 2008. I remember it vividly. Uh, I remember Courtney describing this to Courtney, that we're going to go to this fancy restaurant for brunch with our one-year-old. And she's saying to me, is that really a good idea to bring Isaac? And I said, well, I, I don't know, probably not, but Cindy insisted. And so we get to brunch, the five of us, with our one-year-old. And Cindy uh, doesn't have two or three ideas at that point. We sit down at brunch, and she pulls out a binder. And the binder has basically a business plan. And we're sitting at this table, beautiful table, beautiful restaurant, beautiful brunch, passing pictures and brochures and business plan ideas back and forth. So I'm cradling my one-year-old in one arm and looking at this documentation in the other, and it was incredibly persuasive. That is, no question in my mind, the first room where it happened. I remember leaving that table, calling Richard Santulli and saying, I think we've got it. We've been looking at ideas for what to do in the community that can drive economic development, but also be really powerful for the employees at NetJets and their families. And what better way to do that than create a movement, create something that can attract people to come to Columbus, enhance the James, enhance research with 100% of the money is going to research and, and impact cancer, a disease that sadly touches all of us. The second room where it happened, as I remember, I was in Washington, D.C. Courtney was literally defending her dissertation, and I am watching Isaac in the hallway as she is in her defense. And for whatever reason, that was the time set up for the key phone call with Mike and Cindy, where they laid out the full details of the business plan. It would have been in mid to late February, so literally four to six weeks later. And I had asked them to keep all of this confidential. Gordon Gee, the president of Ohio State at the time, was really the only person Uh, that they brought in. To give you an idea, the leaders in fundraising at the university were not involved at the time. And that was at my request because we were undergoing this highly confidential process about our expansion and everything else. So not only did Mike and Cindy have the idea and provide the execution, they were the execution. And they rolled up their sleeves. It's a really good example. It's one thing from a leadership standpoint to have an idea It's another thing to roll up your sleeve, dig into the details, and drive the execution. And the business plan that they presented to me in mid to late February of 2008 ended up being the Bible of Pelotonia. If you look back at it, and the three of us have with regularity, it really tracked what became uh, in many, many ways. And so I give them full credit uh, for that second room where it happened and really bringing forth the idea that allowed it to go from a burgeoning idea at Lindy's to something really tangible and actionable four to six weeks later. You know, Cindy, it sounds like you did much more than than connect dots here. Uh, you know, coming to Lindy's with a, a binder and a business plan. What was it called? Was it called Pelotonia at that time? Was it called, you know, some fun project name? Like at what point sort of were you, what were you presenting to Dan uh, at that brunch at Lindy's? I just pulled it up on my computer. So thanks for asking. And Mike, I'm going to ask you to correct a few of these details, but it was called the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, James Cancer Hospital and Solov Research Institute Business Plan. And Mike and I named it the Ohio Challenge. And we finished this marked in bold, confidential 17-page report on February 18th, 2018, likely at 2 a.m. in the morning. 
Uh, we worked on it, if you recall, Mike, you and I are night owls, and um, I think we worked from maybe 10 to 2 a.m., uh, maybe three or four nights in a row, and you were writing, and, and he writes, he writes well. And um, I, being an accountant by training, uh, put together a, an Excel deck that did um, projections out five years and um, predicted that if we had NetJets support, we would net $38 million in five years. My original number was about 45 million, but I woke my husband up who is also an accountant and said, can I vet this by you? <laughs> at it and said, you need to take this down $10 million. Well, the fun end of the story is we blew past the 45 million in five years. So the original uh, gut intuition, I don't know what it was, um, was uh, really on target. Presentation of that business plan, February, 2008. Uh, and, you know, the first ride happened in August, 2009. So the, you know, the year and a half period in between uh, somehow we changed the name from Ohio Challenge uh, to Pelotonia, developed a logo, hired a team, all of that. What what was really exciting? What was the, you know, the energy like trying to get that from business plan and funded by NetJets to an actual event that people were going to show up to and had expectations for a great experience? What were some of the most memorable moments through that from developing the logo to, you know, at some point landing on the name, uh, which is a question we get all the time, you know, where did the name come from uh, and how did that process work? So we'd love to hear about that. Well, that's where Danny and Cindy take over. So I'll uh, leave the stage to them. I don't know about that. You were integral, integrally involved and I'll tell a brief story. Uh, about that as part of this. Joe, it's a great question and it's really fun to think back about. We announced uh, NetJets' expansion in Ohio and the formation of what became Pelotonia in March of 2008. And from that date, we started considering hiring a leader to really start the organization. And it helps that Cindy, in addition to everything she does uh, with the James Foundation Board and was doing and partnering with Mike, runs an incredible executive search firm based in Columbus, but recruiting throughout around the country. And so Cindy conducted a search, which she can expand upon, uh, that led us to Tom Lennox, who was a wonderful first CEO of Pelotonia uh, and really created a lot in those early days of what became the Pelotonia movement. My memory is, Cindy, that we recruited Tom from Abercrombie & Fitch in May or June of 2008, and Tom got running. And one of the first introductions that we made for Tom was to women who are business partners and life partners named Susan Slover and Rosemary Kurapat. They uh, co-founded and ran a branding firm and a marketing firm called Slovern Company based in New York City. And one of their clients was us at NetJets. And Susan is a cancer survivor. And Susan and Rosemary donated their own time and their firm's time to help get Pelotonia off the ground. And part of that work was considering what the name would be evolving from the Ohio Challenge and what the logo would look like and all of the work you can imagine in starting a brand. And I vividly remember Tom went to New York to visit with Rosemary and Susan and their team and look at various ideas. And he called me on the way back and said, let's get together. And he landed at the Columbus airport and we met in Jack Kessler's office in New Albany. And he took 30 pieces of paper with literally dozens of ideas and spread them out on the floor of the office and said, which one do you like best? And I looked at them and I have to say, I, I, I remember some of the others. Uh, I remember one called the Ogo, again, pivoting off Ohio Challenge and, and over Ohio. But Tom had really quickly lasered in on Pelotonia and on the logo, the first logo for Pelotonia. 
And as I later talked with Tom and Rosemary and Susan about it, they really took the idea of the word Peloton, the idea that a group of riders rides together for a common cause, and they wanted to pivot off of that. But they thought that it be something, it should be something aspirational and something that causes people to pause and say, what is this? And so they made up the word Pelotonia. It is a made up word by Slover and Company, but designed to evoke this idea of working together for a common cause. And that was in the summer of 2008. Uh, and it was a very exciting start. Yeah. So, you know, fall of 2008, there was uh, quite a bit going on in the world as well. One of those things was the global financial crisis was starting. So what were the sort of trials and tribulations around that time, given everything going on in the world? I remember standing at an Ohio State football game with Tom and with Mike Caligiri. And I was very nervous. This was after Lehman Brothers had folded. Uh, to your point, the world was uh, falling apart from an, uh, from an economic system standpoint. How do you start a new fundraiser in this environment? And Mike and, and Tom and I had that conversation that day. And we debated it. Uh, uh, in a lot of different directions. And ultimately, Tom really impressed the point upon us that cancer doesn't stop for a recession. And this disease that had impacted Tom, a cancer survivor himself, had impacted so many, uh, was not going to stop because Lehman Brothers had folded. And in fact, this was a time where the cancer community needed something like Pelotonia more than ever. And it was a leap of faith. No one knew what our economic system would look like in the ensuing months. But I remember leaving Ohio Stadium, leaving the shoe that day, thinking we're going to do this. Yeah, I would only add the other person, and I would agree with you, Tom was, you know, 120% go, go, go. The other person who, was, who just didn't even blink was Gordon Gee. Gordon, I remember going to him with some trepidation. And I think Danny, I, I think both you and I were like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, and he was just like, you know, the heck with that. We're going to show the world we're doing this. No way, we are. We're doing this. So, I would, Joe, if I could just add, yeah, go ahead. It'd be, it'd be nice. To, um, it'd be appropriate and nice about just make sure we give a, a shout out to Rich Santuli, and I'd like Danny to tell tell the world a little bit about Rich because, you know, he was at the top of the, of the chain for, for NetJets. And of course, obviously without his green light to do this, um, it would have never happened. And um, he is, he is just such an incredibly philanthropic individual and always had been. And I don't, don't think many people know that. Danny, if you could say a word about Rich, I think that'd be, be helpful to people. It plays into the history. I don't think I can only say a word about Rich, Mike. <laughs> we could go on for quite some time talking about Rich and Peggy Santulli. Uh, I mean, Rich has had a profound impact on my life as a, uh, an incredible mentor, uh, friend, partner in so many different ways. Um, there's no one like him. And you're right, Mike. He is incredibly philanthropic but also has an incredible feeling about what is fair and what is right and makes incredibly quick decisions based upon people. When I came to him and described the business plan around the Ohio challenge, he incredibly quickly supported the idea as the right idea for the NetJets employees and their families in Columbus and the right idea for the broader community. Uh, and all of that just built from there. And when we left NetJets in the summer of 2009, and uh, ultimately NetJets pulled the remaining $10 million of the $12.5 million five-year commitment that we had made, Rich and Peggy Santulli were the first to say, Pelotonia is incredible. And what had happened in that first ride in August of 2009 was legendary. We can't let this end. And we are going to support it philanthropically uh, and with our time. 
uh, including Peggy's service on the board, uh, to provide that support and that continued momentum. And Joe, if I can just tell a brief story about that time. Uh, I remember as Netjets pulled the remainder of the gift and we're still in this financial crisis, even though we had a great first year with 2,265 riders and raising four and a half million dollars for cancer research, incredibly impactful. Uh, we, we had a funding gap and Tom and I sat down and Tom was nervous about being able to support the infrastructure to build towards year two and beyond, and understandably so. And Rich Santulli pushed everything else aside in front of him and said, we are going to solve this. And we sat down and talked through and strategized how we would solve this, which included Rich and Peggy's personal commitment. And I went and met with Bobby Schottenstein as part of this. Uh, this would have been in September of 2009. And Bobby and I were strategizing, building off of what Rich and I had talked about. And Bobby said, let's go over to L Brands. We're gonna go sit down with Bruce Saul, senior uh, advisor and senior vice president at L Brands uh, to Les Wexner. And Bobby and I remember going over and sitting in Bruce's office and we start pulling out the marker and working on the whiteboard of how we're going to keep Pelotonia supported. And in walks Les Wexner. And he sits down with us for two hours, impromptu. The only interruption came from Les's assistant uh, asking him to go back to his day job, but he didn't leave. And we architected it out. And Les said, Abigail and I will provide the $10 million or we will partner with the Santulis to provide what you need. But we've learned from this experience, it shouldn't be about any one or two individuals or any one or two entities. This needs to be a broader community movement. So sit with Tom Lennox and explain to the team that they should keep going and doing everything that they are doing to build towards year two. Don't stop, but don't reveal to the community that you've got the full amount of money raised to allow 100% of rider raised money to go to directly to research. Go out and find the rest. So I left the Wexner's office and called Rich Santulli and said exactly what I just reported. This is, this is what Les Wexner said. And Rich said, well, I'm in. Same thing. And I said, well, let's talk about what that means. And he said, well, you need two and a half million dollars a year. What if we try and split it five ways? So the Wexners speak for 500 per year. Rich said, Peggy and I will speak for 500 per year. Now you're 40% of the way there. Now you can go find the rest. And that's the power of Rich Santulli, the quick thinking, decisiveness, and frankly, just the unbelievable understanding and belief in doing what is right. And we took those two commitments from the Santulis and the Wexners, and I went and met with Steve Steinauer at Huntington Bank, relatively new CEO at Huntington, had been in the job less than a year. And Steve heard what had been committed by the Wexners and the Santulis and said, we're in. Again, this is just as we're emerging from the financial crisis and he commits the bank to five-year commitment at $500,000 a year. And I asked Steve that day, I said, Steve, the money is wonderful, but we're gonna need your leadership. Steve, Steve's an amazing leader. And I need you to join the board of directors. We have a small board. Uh, Tom is a great leader as CEO. We are moving forward together. We need you on that board. And Steve says, I'm really busy at the bank. I'll do it for one year. And then you can probably find someone else within Huntington. And 11 plus years later, Steve Steinauer continues to be an amazing board member. Yeah, that's incredible history and incredible context for, you know, not a lot of people know that, you know, year two of Pelotonia almost could have never happened without all these conversations and collaboration and really the philanthropy and generosity of, of a number of different people. And, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people in the world that are, are thankful for that. I want to jump back just a little bit to that very first ride. So 2,265 riders signed up 
showed up at Chemical Abstracts Friday night for an opening ceremony. There was another thousand volunteers, thousand plus volunteers who were going to volunteer over the weekend and, and during opening ceremony. So just love to hear sort of how you were feeling that weekend and, and that Friday evening. You know, it's it's just really tough to understand how this tiny little team of about five people pulled off a five-star event in 2009. I do remember, however, we said we have one shot at this experience being the best it can be because the success of this organization will be sustainability and having people come back and do this again and again and again. But we twisted arms right and left. I remember Danny, myself, Bobby Schottenstein, Mike, we were dialing for riders to the last hour. And we had set a goal of 2,250 riders in year one. That was in the projections. And you've got a lot of type A people here and we were going to hit our numbers. So we were calling every friend we knew. And when you're imposing on people to buy a bike, get on the bike and raise a minimum of $1,250, you'd better deliver. So there was excitement, but there was also, for me, pressure. Um Certainly, it may not have shown, but as you're entering the kickoff evening at Chemical Abstracts and seeing the beer line be longer than you can imagine, or people waiting to get their jerseys in a line that is longer than you would want, um, your eyes are just moving 100 miles a minute to say, how, how can we even take this to further perfection? But the, um, the message from everyone who crossed that finish line was wow. And that was our goal, a wow experience and um, goal achieved year one. <laughs> the pronounced memories for me is Mike Caligiri um, determining he was going to start the ride. So he was the first one out of the gate and I always tried to stay at the finish line to make sure every rider was accounted for and you could sleep that night knowing that everyone got back safely. But the problem was the last rider was Dr. Michael Caligiri. <laughs> because, not that he was a poor rider, but it was pretty magical how he dedicated his time on the road. And it was a really long day given some of our riders took greater than eight or 10 hours. He started at the beginning and he dropped back to say hello to every rider on the road that day. And he'd follow the last rider in every year. Amazing first year. The you know the original five-year plan you mentioned was thirty-eight million dollars, which is an incredible amount of money. The actual first five years of Pelotonia raised over sixty-one million, which uh, is magical and uh, you know really showed the momentum that the organization, the brand had. So I want to sort of fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, five or six years in. Pelotonia is looking for a new CEO um, and uh, I believe operated without a CEO for a period of time, uh, maybe even a ride. And then at some point enters Doug Ullman, our current CEO and president. And I'm curious how that search went. Doug obviously had a, a history in the industry, um, you know, had uh, started working at Livestrong, I think back in 2000 and ultimately became the president and CEO of Livestrong. Uh, through the late 2000s and uh, early 2010s. So I'd love to hear just how Doug ended up here in Columbus, Ohio from Austin, Texas. Tom Lennox poured his heart and soul into this organization and uh, notified the board that he was going to take a break in 2013. And so um, we determined 
after I think it was maybe in my living room where we had a board meeting and said, let's let's see if we can um, speak to one individual. And gosh, it's it, it was a long journey. It was months and months of um, going to Doug, bringing Doug, who has one paranoia, and that's um, flying on an airplane, bringing him to Columbus, Ohio, uh, on a plane with his wife. Um, and um, really engaging him with the community, uh, really listening to what Doug might want to do with his life and seeing if it really aligned with where uh, Palatania's potential um, was. So um, I would boil it down to about nine months of really uh, recruitment, if you will, and attraction of Doug. And um, ultimately, um, I think we knew that we would be working together by the end of uh, the summer of um, 2014. And um, we announced in September that he would join the organization. Then he officially and physically arrived December 1st. Yeah, Doug, curious to hear from you, you know, what was it about Columbus? What was it about, you know, the board and the people that you met along the way? And ultimately, you know, what was it about Pelotonia that, that made you want to make this move and, and move your family, move your life up to Columbus, Ohio? Well, I think it was really all of the above. You know, I had had the great fortune of knowing Dan, Cindy, and Mike, and Gordon, and others in the Columbus community through various circumstances over many, many years, and had developed a tremendous admiration uh, for all that they had achieved, and maybe more importantly, for all that they wanted to achieve, and all that they were dreaming of. So the combination of you know, Mike and I working closely together on a an adolescent young adult project over a number of years at the NCI. Dan and I having met more than 20 years previously in a totally different context, um, having been at the first Pelotonia, having gotten to know Tom and Kelly, having watched the tremendous success in a very short period of time. You know, all of that sort of added up to... Uh, an incredible opportunity going forward. And I remember one specific day, Mike called me. I had just landed on a Southwest flight in Austin and he texted me and said, do you have time to talk? And I called him as I was getting off the plane and it was a Wednesday. And he said, you know, I'd love to have lunch with you. And I said, oh, that sounds great. And he said, how about Friday? And I thought, well, that's, that's quick. <laughs> and I went home and I told my wife, I said, you know, Mike and Cindy and Mike Iker, I believe at the time, they, they, they want to come and have lunch on Friday. <laughs> and I said, something's going on. <laughs> so Mike didn't give me many details, but, um, but, uh, but I just listened to what they had achieved and more importantly, what they wanted to achieve. And, you know, the more I learned about the Columbus community, the more I learned about the grassroots nature um, and the 100% commitment and all the possibilities of building upon the success that they had already realized uh, it was a dream, a dream opportunity, and uh, it's an honor to be here. One of the most important and sort of profound moments for me as a staff member was in 2018, and that was the 10-year anniversary of, of Pelotonia, and had a chance to talk with Cindy and talk with Dan during the weekend, and hearing, you know, 10 years is a long time, uh, you know, and 10 years is not a long time uh, in certain respects, but to go from an idea to a first year event of four and a half million dollars, which is incredible in and of itself, but to raise $27 million in, on the 10th anniversary of Pelotonia was, you know, put it in the ranks of, you know, one of the top fundraising events in the entire country, uh, you know, 10 short years after its founding. And, you know, curious as you all reflected on the pride you had in, in sort of seeing that number, seeing the amount of money that has been raised, but more importantly, knowing the amount of lives that have been changed because of all the money that had been raised over 10 years and um, really the, the difference that Pelotonia was actually making in the world, what that felt like. Well, this is Mike. I'll, I'll uh, just start as having the privilege to be uh, both a, a scientist and, and an oncologist and there, there's no greater feeling professionally for um, 
an oncologist than to walk into a patient's room who's got a what otherwise is known as a fatal diagnosis, you know, and you know that and the patient's afraid to hear that. And you walk in the room and you say, I've got some really good news. And then to see, you know, um, that person years later living a full life and, uh, and, and, and doing so well, all because of, you know, some research that was fueled from some young mind that made its way into the clinic and out into the community. Uh, that, that's what it's all about. You know, that, that summarizes everything. And I, as an oncologist, have had the privilege of saying that so many, many times since the start of Pelotonia. I've got some really good news. I think we just made one mistake along the way, uh, which is, if I, I mentioned at the top, when we were at NetJets, we had twin goals. We had everything Mike just described in terms of having a profound impact on cancer research and ideally leading to that one goal of ending cancer. But we also had this notion or dream about economic development, about really putting Central Ohio more on the map and having people come to Columbus for this annual ride and for things that could spawn from that. I think in my wildest dreams, what Pelotonia has become in terms of a movement uh, exceeds them. Just to go along with what Dan said, you know, and what Mike said in terms of receiving a note just this week from somebody who received funding, you know, the beauty now is that there are hundreds of people that have received research grants who are no longer here in central Ohio. People whose careers were launched by Pelotonia who are all over the world doing phenomenal things. And there are also thousands and thousands of past writers and donors who are all over the world doing amazing things. And just this morning, a friend of mine in Washington, D.C., who did his MBA at Ohio State, tweeted to me that he was walking down the street wearing his Pelotonia quarter zip, and somebody on the other side of the street was wearing the same one. And they waved to each other. And he posed the question of post-COVID, what if we had regional alumni events and rides? Because here there is a group in D.C. that all have an affinity for this mission and this movement. And whether they come back to Columbus every August or not, they'll always be a part of what we're trying to achieve. And uh, that's the beauty looking forward is how do you leverage and mobilize people who may or may not get on a bike in central Ohio every August, but still care enough to want to make a huge difference. So reflection for me is really hard. Um, when you were talking about the numbers, I could just feel my eyes swelling up. And so I do not think about the collective financial result very often. It's overwhelmingly humbling. Um, when I walk up to the kickoff every year, I just stop and take a deep breath because it's it's just... There, there are no words to describe the emotion um, within me as it relates to what has taken place. First of all, uh, you know, the number of people that are now living successfully with cancer since that time, cancer has moved to the number one disease now from number two to heart disease. It's moved to number one in terms of more people being impacted by cancer worldwide. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, unfortunately, uh, the, the pace is keeping up. Um, but at the same time, we're now for the first time uh, in decline in terms of deaths from cancer. And that's directly linked to discovery and taking discoveries from the bench right to the patient's bedside. Um, yesterday, I was on the phone with somebody who's undergone four different treatments for lymphoma, um, including the latest immune CAR-T immune therapy the live 10 years. So what we've gone from, you know, your best shot is your only shot um, to, you know, successive treatments that just get better and better. And I've talked to so many people in Pelotonia birthed one of the best examples of this who were alive from a therapy when a better therapy came along and are alive longer. And of course, one of the best examples of that is a brute nip which uh, grew out of funds from Pelotonia 
you know, there's a drug where so many people were dying of chronic lymphocytic leukemia and a drug came along, which was first funded by a, a grant from Pelotonia. That was a pill that's now, uh, you know, keeping people alive over a decade. So, um, they say by the year 2040, there'll be about 30, 25 to 30 million people surviving from cancer. What a lot of people don't realize is that it's not the senior scientist who's running the lab that's making the discoveries. Um, they're blessing the discoveries, they're editing things on the way out the door, grants and papers, but the science is done by the young people. Yesterday, I got a note from someone telling me how excited they were uh, that they, they just received a $100,000 Pelotonia grant. Uh, somebody from Ohio, and as you know, I now live in Los Angeles. And, you know, there it was. It's like, bingo, you know, this is exactly what we should be doing. This is how we're going to advance the cause. You know, I, I want to wrap up with all of you and, and sort of... Uh with one final question and would love to hear from each of you, you know, from my perspective uh, and I'm biased, I'm a, I'm a staff member, I'm a cancer survivor and I care a lot about the organization, but I feel like we're just getting started in a lot of ways. And we have so much opportunity. We have an amazing, amazing team uh, an amazing community. And so I'm curious, like what's the hope, what's the dream, what's the vision, you know, that you each have personally of, what Pelotonia becomes. I want Pelotonia to be recognized for the way in which the community came together to solve some of the biggest challenges facing our world. And so rather than measure our impact long-term by the dollars, the dollars should simply be a means to getting us to the place where Mike and his thousands and thousands of colleagues around the world can walk into rooms and say, we've got an answer for your diagnosis. And we're seeing that, but the more people we engage in the mission, the more people that solicit contributions, the more people that volunteer, the more people that join us, no matter where they live, the more of that we can create. And so for me, the brand will ultimately be known because of the impact from the research that gets delivered to patients in need all over the world. A number of years ago, we convened a young group and they quickly summed it up as turning all of the cancer hospitals in America to five-star hotels. And I thought that was a, a great vision in terms of how they'd like to see the disease be treated. For me, um, we have a leader who is a visionary, so I'm not going to try to um, put words to what a cancer-free world might look like in the future, but I do hope that 100 years from now, Pelotonia still exists, and um, it is fueling research, whether it's cancer research um, or any other research that helps people uh, I'd be I'd be fine with that. I don't know enough to say whether cancer will ever go away, but for it to become simply an ailment, whereby one might pass you in the hall and say, oh, I'm going to be out of the office this afternoon. I have cancer and I need to just go home and take care of it. Um, like a headache would be would be wonderful. I certainly hope and I think it's happening that Pelotonia becomes generational that through this movement, we educate our, the next generation of the importance of giving, uh, the importance of hope, the importance of funding for, for discovery and you know, creating a world free of cancer. I already know my brother, I have a brother who's 13 years younger and his uh, son will be riding and daughters will be riding soon. So um, I think it's all, I think they're riding next year. Uh, so it's already happening. I think that's beautifully said by everyone. Uh, there are so many things that are fleeting in life that come and go. Time flies. We move so quickly, especially in this day and age of technology, that I think the lasting generational power of the Pelotonia movement is really quite amazing. 
And, you know, we've had some great leaders around from Cindy Hilsheimer and Mike Calagiri coming up with the idea and driving forward in those early days. And Richard Santulli and Steve Steinauer and Les and Abigail Wexner and Bobby Schottenstein telling us to think big and continuing to push the organization. And now Doug's vision, which has been just tremendous in the last six years, and I do believe is really just getting started in terms of the potential. But I think for me, it just comes back to every year when we gather at Pelotonio or when I see that quarter zip with the logo or that magnet, it is a very emotional thing. Uh, I, I recognize that as Cindy talked about earlier. And I think the emotions do come around how lasting Pelotonia has been since those early days in 2007, 2008. And so here we are, we're just getting started, but for me, it will be very powerful in August of 2021 to be together with hopefully 10,000 riders, one of whom will be my son, Isaac, who was the one-year-old at that brunch with Cindy and, Lindy, uh, Cindy and Larry Hilsheimer back in January in 2008, and will be on the bike for the next generation of the movement in August of 2021. That will be a very, very powerful symbol to me. You know, on behalf of our entire community, uh, thank you to all of you for, for, you know, coming up with the idea to making it happen and uh, everything that's sort of gone on in between. There's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that uh, are part of our community that, you know, feel an immense sense of gratitude towards what's been created. And, you know, we, uh, you know, as a team are, are here to, to keep that going. And, uh, and make a really lasting impact on the world. So thank, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you all. It's been yeah. great to see my friends. Great to see you guys. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you, everybody. Mike, we miss you. Oh, likewise. We miss you terribly. This is normally the point where we would be ending the episode, but we wanted to continue for a few more moments with another individual who was mentioned several times earlier and was integral to making Pelotonia happen during his time as president at Ohio State. Gordon Gee, current president of West Virginia University, sat with us on video conference and reflected on the story of this movement. Well, you know, success has many mothers. <laughs> I wouldn't be talking to you if the thing had flopped. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, of course, the James is such an important part of, uh, of the academic medical center, such an important part of the university, such an important thing for our state, uh, for Ohio, uh, because it um, it really did, um, it really did, uh, uh, represent so much of the hopes and dreams of people and cancer is such a uh, such a awful thing uh, and we've all been touched by cancer my my first wife died of cancer and so um, and and uh, actually she she died uh, at uh, at Ohio State and um, wow. and dr. James and and uh, you know and so really the James kind of started during my first during my first term and um, as really a separate uh, academic medical center. So when I came back, Mike Caligiuri, um, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, the energetic guy that he is came to me one day, I can still remember sitting in my office, he came and he said, well, um, there's this pen mass or mass pen. Yeah. Uh, pen mass challenge. Yeah. Yeah. That's in, um, that's in, um, Boston. Uh, Massachusetts, uh, yeah. Massachusetts and Boston. And, and, uh, and I'd heard of it because, because uh, having been at Brown for a while and, and he said, I, I, we want to, we want to see if we can't start something like that here because we need to start raising more money. And uh, anytime they say start raising more money, that perks my ears up. And so I, <laughs> I, I said, I said, Mike, that is the craziest damn thing I've ever heard of. I mean, <laughs> why, you know, why in in Ohio would anyone want to get on bikes and ride around? And um, but uh, uh, but I said, you know, go ahead and try it, and I'll I'll be your I'll be your fullback if if you think you can get this thing up and running and uh they did they got you know they hired tom and uh you know tom just has immense amounts of energy and creativity and uh, and it started to take off because the community got involved and, and this is the thing that i think is the most important thing about pelotonia um 
is the fact that it became a, a matter of community pride. So it was not simply the university doing a fundraising effort. It was that uh, they developed they developed a strategy that really got everyone involved and 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 right down to the notion I'm writing for my mother, I'm writing for my sister, I'm writing for my father, and um, and that concept I think was was extraordinarily uh, important. So it became not necessarily a university issue. The university was obviously a driving force because we had the James, but cancer was the driving force. Um, and so I can remember going to the first one, uh, you know, um, do I look like a bike rider? No. Uh, and so I went down there to, to say hello to everyone and I was astonished. I mean, all of these people riding with their with their uh, jerseys on for this person, for that person, and then obviously the the community and the community leadership, um, you know, limited brands, uh, uh, Huntington, uh, they started this kind of competition, and pretty soon it became something that was extraordinary. I think, uh, frankly, it, it went way beyond what I ever thought was possible. Um, so I say that now. And secondly of all, um, I think that what really happened was that um, that uh, it became something that people could rally around in in our community and in Ohio. Um, there's always something be, there's something good to rally around. And then our football program and our athletic program, and everyone became involved. So it became um, it became a community effort and has been that ever since. And they have raised a ton of money. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing. I think, you know, the, the point you hit on where, you know, out of the gates, it was not a Ohio state thing. It was a community thing. And, and really the sense of community pride that has reverberated through the Peloton community since the beginning and continues to this day is uh, it's incredible. It's incredible to watch. It's incredible to be a part of. And, um, and, and, and you know, we had to get a couple of people, um, um, Richard Santulli, I, I flew to, um, I remember flying, uh, Dan Rosenthal and I flying to, um, to visit with him in New Jersey and, and convincing him to continue to support, uh, this effort. Uh, you know, a number of people really stepped up because the whole theory of the game was that we're not going to spend money to make money. We're going to get sponsors who then allow us to put every dime into research and teaching and into medical care. Yep. Yeah. It's been an amazing model and it's a model that now is, is uh, relatively common all throughout the country, which is pretty cool to see. I, I like to think we inspired some of that. Uh, you know, and, and that's how Doug came. Of course, Doug was with uh, Livestrong, always been a, an unbelievable advocate for uh uh, uh, for for ca uh, for cancer causes, and uh, I think that he really saw this as as the next kind of big leap of how one really focuses on cancer in a community based way. And uh, Doug is Doug is an amazing leader, as I as I told you, you know Doug and I. Doug was my student at Brown, if you can believe it, and uh, yeah, he, he doesn't admit it, uh, but uh, <laughs> actually we were very good friends there, and. Uh, as I joked with him, he's one of the few friends I had at Brown. And so uh, we've always maintained uh, good close contact and love having him in Columbus and his family. Yeah, it's pretty special how that kind of came full circle a little bit with him him ending up at Pelotonia. Is there anything, you know, you would say to, to people that are joining the Pelotonia community now or, you know, a sense of pride that that you have with seeing the event continue year after year, sort of even after you've departed to West Virginia? And well, you know, I, I, I have immense pride in success. I am jealous as heck about the, the, that I can't get that same thing. I mean, have you ever thought of riding a bike in the hills of West Virginia? That would be I mean, a tough ride. It, it, yeah, it would take, it would, uh, we maybe would get three people who could get out of that. You know, so, so we have to think of something else. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, immense pride and uh, real joy. And, and every time I return to Columbus, I see those big signs. And, and you know, I have my, I should have worn my Pelotonia bow tie today because I do, I do have one. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's something that, um, you know, when you reflect back on, on, on some of the things that happened during your time at uh, 
at the university. And that certainly is one of the major highlights of uh, my time, um, at my, my second term at, at, at Ohio State. So I'm grateful for the fact you'd let me come on and talk a little bit about um, the Pelotonia as it was and, and now celebrate how it is. Yeah, well, there's thousands and thousands of people that are grateful that you helped push to get this started. And we're going to continue sort of for the next 10, 20, 50 years making a massive impact on the cancer community. So really appreciate it. Yeah, have a wonderful day and and, uh, everyone continue to do your great work. Thank you to Dan, Cindy, Mike, Doug, and President Gee for taking the time for this conversation and for their tireless work and belief in our one goal. We also want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. This is what's next on One Goal. I think about community from, from that perspective. It's, it's um, connectedness and, and feeling as though you're part of something that's bigger than just you. How can you just expand this community? And, and I think it does get back to Julie's point around this connectivity. You know, we're all here together. I think we all want the same thing for each other. We want hopefully prosperity. And when I think about prosperity, it's not about wealth, it's about health. And so how do we actually extend that? You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. Season two will be hosted by me, cancer survivor and chief operating officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar, with interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blauer. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orin Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as that will help others hear these empowering journeys. If you're curious about joining the Pelotonia community and making an impact on cancer research, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.